0: Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name is Baron,
1: And I'm Elsa. We live together in a 13-foot scamp trailer with our dog camp in the American wilderness.
0: Welcome back. Today we are talking to Elsa about her five-week, or (laughs) five-day, um track on the Appalachian Trail, and all the things she learned, and what that experience was like. First time...
1: Backpacking. Yeah,
0: first time doing a long backpacking trip. I've never backpacked, so...
1: Not ever? Overnight?
0: Mm. I mean, I've camped overnight, but I've not, like, hiked in. I have... I don't know. No.
1: Not, like, a dedicated backpacking trip. No. I hadn't either. And I... I mean, we are very experienced campers... Mm -hmm. hikers, we wear backpacks all the time. And we can cook out in the backcountry and stuff, but putting it all together is something that we've never done. i would never done. Yeah. And And hiking has
0: never really been something that I strived to do. Like, it was always kind of a means to get places, like, to climb or whatever.
1: We didn't have any experience in Kansas City doing anything like it. So I, I never really developed an interest for it until... We got out to Colorado, and there were cool things to hike in and around.
0: Yeah. So what made you want to do the AT?
1: I think it was the it was like 2015 when I first watched Wild, that movie, you know, with Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? hmm I read I the book, actually, too. Actually, I don't know.
0: It's been a long time.
1: It's like a whole story about her hiking the PCT, which is on the eastern, western side of the United States. Pacific Crest Trail. And I just thought that was crazy how she left all of her trauma, her life and everything, and used hiking for five plus months to kind of work through all of that. I'd never heard of that before. And since then, there's been a lot of, um, I've read a lot of books and seen other documentaries and stuff about through hiking. And it just seems like, what in the world? Hiking for months on end? That doesn't make any sense, but I really want to try it. So this was just a quick little intro into it. I went with my friend Allie and her mom Stacy. We were in the Smoky Mountains section of the Appalachian Trail. And the Smoky Mountains, I think, cross in between North Carolina and Tennessee, I believe, and we were just right on the border the whole time we were hiking. Um, Five years ago they did the southern half of the Smokies on the Appalachian Trail and that was 30 miles, and this time we did the upper 40 miles.
0: And that took you four days. So you were doing like around 10 miles a day.
1: Mm -hmm. The first two days were um, eight miles, then seven miles. So they were pretty short days, but we were getting into the groove of things and figuring out like how our backpacks and stuff fit and worked. And also the first day, was one of the shorter days and it was one of the hardest completely uphill upstairs the whole time. But I felt so good. I had no idea that I was so well prepared. And I mean, with your help getting my pack together, that was huge. Having a place, a home for every individual thing within my backpack and putting my things back into that home every time I took it out was huge. I always knew where to look for everything that I needed.
0: That's good. That's super helpful. I feel like that's helpful just like generally speaking, even with my computer bag and even my pockets and my pants, I always like to have dedicated spots for each of my things just makes it easier
1: it's the same thing with the scamp too truly Mm. when you don't have a ton of space and you don't have a ton of things it's just a lot more efficient to have everything in its own housing spot and then I could whip my backpack off and grab my headlamp or um, some tissue paper or whatever I needed anytime because I knew exactly where it was
0: and you were hiking with my old 48 liter pack I Mm -hmm. believe
1: yeah so it was a little bit big for me it was a little... I could have definitely had it tighter around, around my hips. It's like,
0: leader-wise and stuff, it wasn't too big. No, it but was great. the fit of it was a little big. Right? It
1: could have... I could have, um... I'm really proud of the... I feel like I packed really efficiently with gear and, um... Food. So I could have even gone down a little bit in size for just a four-day trip. But, yeah, the straps and things, they, it, they were tightened as far as they could go. Um... But and that
0: kinda of put some extra stress on your collarbones and stuff. Yeah. Because you couldn't put as much on your hips
1: mm-hmm.
0: because the hip straps didn't get tight enough.
1: I at one point I stuck a big stick in the front, like my lower belly, to try to <laughs> try to like put more tightness in the hip area. But mm-hmm. then it really wasn't a big deal. And the pack really wasn't too terribly heavy. I would guesstimate it was around between twenty and thirty pounds. At the airport, when I checked my bag on the way back, I weighed it, and it was 18 pounds, and that was with all my extra clothes. There were no food, no water. Water really weighs a lot. Yeah, so what did you do about water? I know, based on our other hikes that we've done, and I've only ever, I think, the max I've done is maybe a 10-mile hike in one day. Um, And I know that I drink a liter and a half, but during that time, it would be great to drink more, or two liters, but I've got a three-liter Camelback. Usually, I fill it halfway, and that's good. So I knew that I would be good with only two liters a day. Um, there was water along the most of the trail. Every shelter had a little trickling stream that you would filter your water from. And I and
0: was that spring water, or what was that?
1: I don't know where it was coming from, but it was coming out of little pipes, so it wasn't coming directly out of rocks or anything. And you did hmm. have to filter it. Hmm. So I don't. But there
0: weren't any creeks or anything?
1: The creeks, I guess, are on the southern half. Not on the northern half, half where we were. I guess you walk by a lot of water on the southern half of the Smokies. But um, it was still really wet because the Smoky Mountains are just very dense. It's just like the Pacific Northwest. So weird, having left Oregon to go over to Tennessee and have it be nearly the same climate. Super, super wet. We were hiking through clouds on um, about half of the trip. Really, really moist air and thick, moist.
0: Was that an issue? Like having all your clothes and stuff be wet the whole time?
1: No, because I mean if they weren't wet from the clouds they were wet from my sweat. Mm -hmm. I was working my butt off and it felt great.
0: Was it what you expected, or was it, like, what what caught you by surprise, or what was different than what you anticipated?
1: That's a really good question. I had expected it to be way harder. I expected um, to have a worse time. Maybe I was expecting the worst because I knew it was going to be hard, and it was hard. But I was expecting it to be harder than... What was reasonable? (laughs) Yeah, just because I didn't want to be taken off guard thinking, Oh, this is going to be a blast and super easy. I got this and then have it kick my butt. But I had never experienced runner's high before this. And I didn't know if it was real. I discovered afterwards that it's real. Hiker's high is, I got hiker's high every single day. And I was just, man, I could have never stopped it was amazing. At At a certain point, it was like my... You know when you do too many squats mm-hmm. and you your muscles just get really tight and burn and you have to stop and give mm-hmm. your legs a break? I didn't experience that a single time. And it could be because we warmed up every day. Um, I thought
0: that was super interesting. Maybe dive into that routine. a little bit, yeah.
1: So we learned of this warm-up routine from our shuttle bus driver. He picked us up at the car that we were going to end the hike at and dropped us off at the very beginning of the hike He said that what you want to do before every hike, every single day, is hike for 15 minutes horrifically slow. Like so slow that you're just dying to push the person ahead of you out of the way. Then for the next 15 minutes, hike very, very slow. Just a little bit faster than horrifically slow, but still extremely slow. Then stop. You've been hiking for 30 minutes. You shouldn't be tired, but you should be warm. Your muscles should be um, hot and ready to go. And at that point, you sit on your butt for five minutes. And I guess that gives a chance um, for the... What is it? Lactic acid in your muscles? To um, do something? To distribute? I'm not sure. It just gives your body a chance to rest. And then after those five minutes, do dynamic stretching. Kind of pulsing stretches. He was saying something about if you do... Static stretching where you're holding a stretch for a long period of time, you will um, trick your mind into thinking that you're getting injured. I'm not sure. I wish that I had been recording him saying all this, but um, then after you do the warm-up, every hour throughout the rest of the day, take a five-minute sitting butt break. And we did that on the first two days, but then we didn't do the hour-long break after that for the rest of the days. But the warm-up, I think, really saved all of us.
0: Yeah, that could be why you didn't get so burned out. Mm -hmm. Because, like, in climbing, you can get what's called a flash pump. If you go too hard as soon as you begin, then you can't, like, your muscles will just fill with blood. And then you can't dump it out. So then the rest of the time, any time you try to, like, uh, climb something, then you have, like, no strength. Because your muscles are already so like tired feeling
1: maybe that's what i that's what I was expecting to happen to my legs as I'm doing yeah. all these stairs, miles and miles of stairs. I didn't have that feeling once, and i it's like you warm up before you go running or before you play soccer, before you do any sport you warm up, so I'm so glad that he recommended that because it maybe saved my ass every single day.
0: yeah, I doubt you guys would have done that without that advice. Mm-mm not even not to that extent probably. Mm-hmm.
1: Stretching was another huge thing before and after every day of hiking. Just moving our bodies because a lot of times it was probably probably every night I would wake up at some point in the night with body pain. Um I was cold at night so my arms and legs and stuff would tense up and I just wouldn't be able to sleep and it's so loud to roll over in the middle of the night. Its sleeping was a whole it's a whole other story. We can get into that in a minute. But um stretching out before bed kind of helped relieve that pain a little bit.
0: That makes sense.
1: We should do that every day no matter what. No matter if we're hiking or not. Stretching is huge.
0: Mm-hmm. So sleeping... You were sleeping in shelters. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't at all familiar with these until...
1: Yeah, me neither. The It was actually really nice for this trip to not have to carry a tent. We were going to carry... One tent between the three of us, which wouldn't have been too bad, but these shelters are three-sided shelters that have bunks inside. Um,
0: I wonder why they wouldn't just put a door on them and, like, close them up.
1: I don't know. It's a good point, because the first shelter that we stayed at had been closed all summer. Opened the day that we were driving out to the Rocky Mountains, Smoky Mountains, Um it had been closed for bear activity, aggressive bear activity, and I guess it's not because people left food out. It's because there are acorns that are in the area that the bears come and eat. So some lady said that they close it every summer. I'm not sure if that's true, but um, the acorns then were kind of out of season by the time we got there, so it opened up. Mm. But yeah, bears do. If you you have to be super careful about your food and not cooking in the sleeping area, not spilling food because not only will mice come after your little food bits in the night but bears will come in and investigate but yeah if they had fencing or something
0: it just seems uh, because it's a it's like a whole um little cabin with one side missing
1: Mm -hmm. effectively yeah so it's
0: just weird that they would not just make not close it up you know I don't understand why that would be.
1: Well, it was really nice to have it open. It's just like you're camping in a tent uh, without the tent and the closure of it. I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good... I can't really think of why.
0: I bet it would get hot maybe that way.
1: Oh, and that was one thing that was super nice was sleeping in the shelters was really warm. Hmm. It blocked um, a lot of the wind and also sleeping around so many people kept you super warm because the
0: first night you were in a shelter just you guys
1: just the three of us in the shelter that had just opened the day before from aggressive bear activity and all these notes in the shelter journal were saying we stayed here I know we weren't supposed to I know it was closed but bears did come we fought, fought them off with rocks and yelled really loudly and oh my gosh so we didn't get any sleep that night just all of us thinking any sound might be a bear Um, but it was really warm that night, probably in the high sixties. And then the shelter didn't allow for any breeze into the sleeping area. So it was hot, super hot. And I was kind of not interested in mice coming up under my blanket. I just brought my rumple as the blanket. It's a down small, um, It's like a small comforter. Yeah. But sleeping bag quilts are really popular right now, but they have closed feet, so your feet are always kind of contained. Ugh, that's all that I wanted. This whole that whole time was just a closed footbed. But um, I kept my clothes my clothes on the whole time because I didn't want any mice coming up under the blanket and um, saying what's up. So that first night was so hot. Then the rest of the nights I was so cold. We were up higher in Did you use the
0: rumple on the hot night? Yes. Why well, didn't you just like... Oh, just because of mice? You'd...
1: I Yeah, I, I just... That night, it was all a blur. I wasn't making any good decisions. I didn't need that blanket, but I didn't want mice to come. But I was also afraid of them coming under the blanket. Mm, I'm just not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> we were just getting used to everything at that point. It was cool, though, we had the whole shelter to ourselves because it had just opened. And then the next two shelters were packed full of people.
0: And can you tent camp? Like, what's the
1: legality there? So, I believe that uh, you are only allowed to tent camp if you are a thru-hiker. So, if you're hiking the whole Appalachian Trail, I believe you're allowed to pitch a tent. And thru-hikers are not allowed to reserve spots at the shelters. So, we had spots reserved. I think it was like five bucks a piece each night. Um, We are allowed and have first First come, first serve. Section.
0: For, forge section hikers.
1: Section hikers have um, first come for. What am I saying?
0: First priority over yes, through yes. hikers.
1: Section hikers have first priority in the shelters over through hikers. If it's raining or something and through hikers want to sleep in the shelter, if there's space, they can. But um, we were not allowed to, within, on the Appalachian Trail, we weren't allowed to pitch a tent.
0: And this is specific to the Smoky Mountains section? Uh,
1: Yes. I have no idea what the rest of the trail is like. Because it's
0: in a national forest part of it, right? National park. National park, okay.
1: Yeah, so the rules are pretty strict. Okay. I think I would have preferred a tent. Like, when you and I go, Mm -hmm. a tent would allow. I think I would sleep a lot better in a tent, even though it's not a, a solid structure. It would be a lot more private, and oh my gosh... When there's a full shelter, full of people, you're hearing snores, you're hearing the outside noises of animals and leaves and rain, then you're hearing the super loud crinkle swish of sleeping pads and sleeping bags. It's like, I don't know how anybody gets any sleep in there. It's amazing. I feel like you
0: have to just be totally exhausted. Mm hmm So...
1: But I mean, we were. How many people?
0: Like 15?
1: I think 12 is the max. Okay. But I believe people would, I, there's so much more room than, t- like, you could really squeeze together. But it was full. Stacey and Allie said that on their first trip, their shelters were full as well. But it's a really popular park.
0: That's crazy. I feel like that, I wouldn't like that very much, having so many people there.
1: The camaraderie is cool. We. F- uh,
0: but you just, like, meet them, and then you're sleeping next to each other.
1: It's yes, of- which can be fun. There was a group of people who weren't that fun. It was interesting to see the, um, as with any sport, there can come a lot of ego and one of the nights, um, it was just a group of people who were really cocky about their hiking and really wanted everyone to know how experienced they were. Um, could have been my insecurities too of knowing that I'm not very experienced. But at the same time, I have so much experience in all these areas. Separately outside just of backpacking. Not through
0: hiking or backpacking,
1: mm-hmm. but it's really fun to the second night. We met all kinds of people, um, and it was a blast, so it just totally depends. The issue, though, is just the act of sleeping, it's really loud in those shelters.
0: If you were to do it again, what what part of the country do you think you would want to hike in?
1: I think I would like to hike somewhere that's more arid, less moisture, so that your sweat is. Effective. Yes. Um, And I think smoke... I keep saying smoking on the hikey Mountains. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hiking in the Smokies was lower elevation than different hikes that I'm used to. We're usually in the mountains, so then to see a big expansive view of the whole Smokies was... um, It was more like seeing beautiful, lush, rolling hills. You know what I mean? Because I'm Mm -hmm. used to the Rocky Mountains that are giant peaks of sharp, very quintessential mountains. So, um...
0: The Smokies aren't as drastic or...
1: No, but they're just huge, very vast, rolling hills.
0: Did you peak any mountains?
1: The Clingman's Dome, that's the highest point in Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, that was epic. We hiked, I think, over a thousand miles up in elevation. A thousand miles. I keep saying that too. <laughs> the last mile and a half, we inclined around a thousand feet in elevation, and my hiker's high was like, "Oh yes, this is amazing."
0: Once you stopped, did that like fall off, and did you crash, or? Well,
1: well it's not that you crashed, but my. Oh my gosh, we're going all over the place. Whatever. That's no good. Uh, once you stop, I was having an issue with that. Um, Allie is really short, and so she had a different pace going up the stairs than I did. And th- during the times that I would need to, or and you're want you're to, pretty
0: tall, yeah, and you much have taller long than she is. legs, yeah.
1: So um, like even
0: for your height, mm-hmm. you have like a long gait.
1: Mm-hmm. So our speed, our pace between she and I going up these stairs was very different. So when I would want to hang back and try to like keep pace when we're going up, um, inclining and elevation, it was really hard because I'm like in a zone, kind of in a flow going up and just because there's nothing else you can do. You just have to keep going. Um, So then to kind of stop and pause, then my muscles would kind of get tight and then I'd have to pick up that enthusiasm again and keep going. So it ended up that I would um, do the uphill sections solo ahead of them, and then I'd wait and um, we'd catch up because I'm hiking the thing with them. So it would be, why would I hike it all alone, you know? Yeah. We had a blast. It was really fun. Uh, I meant to say this in the beginning, but the history of the Appalachian Trail, I just read Grandma Gatewood's walk. It's a really good book about the first woman who did the entire Appalachian Trail. She did it twice. First time she did it, she was 67. It was amazing. But currently, today, the Appalachian Trail is 2,192 miles, and it goes through 14 states on the eastern side of the United States. So we did um, 40 miles of 2,100, almost 2,200. That's insane. Mm -hmm. I can't believe people hike the whole thing. And I pretty epic. It is insanely epic. I think
0: as far as like outdoor ticks go, like accomplishments, that's one of the sort of pinnacle. If you through hike the AT, it's like
1: and a triple put crown, that on your badge. Yeah. A triple crown is when you hike all three. The PCT, the Continental Divide Trail, that's more central. State Central, but uh, goes through the Rocky Mountains.
0: It's not the Colorado Trail,
1: no, okay. I think the Colorado intersects it, and I think they share one or 200 miles.
0: Okay, I think we should do that part, I we could do... say we did both because okay. that's what it's all about.
1: I want to do the whole Colorado Trail, but then the Appalachian Trail is on the eastern side of the United States, that's a triple crown when you do all three. Okay, and it was super wild talking to people who do who they're section hiking the Appalachian Trail through hikers. That means you're in one sitting over a span of five to six months going through from the beginning, I think it starts in Georgia, all the way to Katahdin or vice versa. Um, I think Katahdin, what's that? It's like in Maine? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but talking to the people who do that or are section hiking, put a lot of things into perspective that while it would be a huge tick off of your like uh, athletic achievements... I feel like I really enjoy stopping and looking around at the nature we found so many wild mushrooms on our hike um and just being taking it easy and enjoying the hike. I think I personally would um feel so stressed to finish the through hike before winter hit because you have to you start in the spring and end before winter hits um I would just be too stressed to finish the whole thing. I'd be mm-hmm. racing, and I wouldn't stop ever and look at things, and it sounds like by the end of it, everybody is just so ready for it to be done. And, and
0: logistically, it's it seems pretty difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: you got to ship a bunch of non-perishable foods to the different points, and then you have, like, a lot of trash that you're dealing with, and it just seems like a really hard thing.
1: It's really fascinating. But these people, as you're thru-hiking, you're kind of leapfrogging with other thru-hikers throughout the whole process. So you form... It reminds me a lot of a burn where it's a whole different world thru-hiking. And you develop your communities on the thru-hike and you stop and eat together and stay at hostels together and um, even hiking together. And you're seeing all the same things and... uh it's just a whole different world, and I think if I were in it, I would enjoy it. But personally, I believe that section hiking would be more fun for me. Mm-hmm. Tackling maybe a month at a time, different trails. Because I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I've only done four days of backpacking,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I like the idea of doing maybe. I like a week the idea of doing where...
0: like um, going to alpine lakes and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we realized that when we were hiking in Colorado that there's so much. What is it, like micro, the micro nature. um, Micro fauna. All the beauty and life on those high alpine hikes in the trees and stuff.
0: Once you get above tree line, it kind of fades out.
1: It's a lot of rocks, and 14ers are huge in Colorado, and I've done one, and it was epic, epic views, but I prefer to be hiking in nature so interesting. There's so much to do outside.
0: Mm-hmm. What else? The, um, what things did you bring that you ended up not using? And what things would you like to have that you didn't have?
1: I didn't end up using my sunglasses. At all? No. Because you're under a canopy of shade. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um.
0: That's kind of a clunky breakable thing to have that
1: yeah I feel like that would be anywhere else though sunglasses would be huge Mm -hmm. if it was sunny anywhere that would be huge I did bring our biolite solar panel and that was a cool thing I would bring that on another sunny hike but it wasn't sunny so I didn't end up getting to use that but it's so lightweight and really just an awesome device
0: And it's cool that we get to have that now. Yes. What you did see that you used was the BioLite Sunlights.
1: We used the Sunlights more than we used our headlamps. And those are tiny little lights. I think they're maybe four inches by four inches. Um, The back of the light has a solar panel. So I would clip mine to my backpack.
0: And it has a little kickstand so that you can orient it perfectly with Mm -hmm. the sun or orient it to light things up, whatever.
1: It has a white light. color-changing light and a party mode and the party mode will just automatically switch all the colors and that's kind of fun but it's also dimmable right
0: yeah i don't know that it's dimmable on each of the colors no it's not but it's dimmable when it's on white
1: and just a really i think they're only 20 bucks or something a very affordable um very functional and you can recharge it with micro usb too if you want to but yeah having the ability to recharge it in the sun means that you don't have to carry a battery pack and it just is uh like you can't even do that with a headlight it's one of
0: the coolest products that BioLite makes i
1: know and it's so underrated nobody yeah. really talks about those but they are the best
0: yeah and then the headlamps were cool too huh mm-hmm. but not because uh, you could use the sunlight to light up like ambiently mm-hmm. once you get back to camp and you're cooking and stuff
1: yep and that is even more functional than the headlamp. I'd use my headlamp when I would have to get up and go to the bathroom at night. But um, we would have one of our sunlights above us in the shelter, kind of lighting our space as we made our beds and stuff. And we were always cooking before the sun went down. So um, even still, there was one night that we just had the red light on us as we were cooking. Um,
0: and with the BioLite, since it's full spectrum, you can choose the color. So being able to choose like a deep amber or like dark orange color like we normally have on at the scamp at night, is really nice.
1: I think Allie had hers on green for a little while, just because it's fun.
0: Yeah, but then like with the shades of red, it doesn't ruin your night vision, which is super helpful. A little um, (laughs) etiquette tip, if you're camping with people and you have a headlamp on, when you're at camp at night, try to, if you're going to be shining people in their eyes, at least turn it on red light mode. Because if you're in like spotlight mode and looking at people as you talk to them, you're going to ruin their night vision and just completely blind them. So when you buy a headlamp, one, make sure that it has a red mode. And two, when you're at camp, like try to be mindful of not blinding people. Because <laughs> that's a real thing.
1: Something else that I brought that I didn't use was a lot of my food. I definitely overpacked my food. That was a hard thing because.
0: So what was the best? Like, what's the best trail food? What was, what were the things that were worth having for sure?
1: Epic bars I had for lunch every day. Which that is was.
0: just a small beef jerky bar.
1: Yes, and it's sor- sourced well with very minimal ingredients. It's not super duper processed. It's one of the better bars, but um, it is packaged. And I was trying to do create as little food waste as I could on this uh, this trip, but those Epic Bars were great. Um, I also made my own little almond butter packets that I would kind of suck on, th- that I just used reusable kids' squeezy pouches that I got on Amazon and filled those with almond butter, and I ate that with my Epic Bar every day.
0: You didn't fill it with just almond butter though, you made a it was little...
1: almond butter, maple syrup, salt, and cinnamon, it was really good. And that was really good on banana chips that I brought. And trail mix, oh my gosh, you can't have trail mix without M&M's. I think M&M's were the number one thing that I, my favorite food, I just grabbed a bag of M&M's from the store and put it in my uh, trail mix, because you're, it's just such a nice little pick-me-up on the trail to have a familiar boost of sweet chocolate. (laughs) It's not the healthiest, and a sugar rush isn't the best thing ever for any athletic activity, but... It just helps boost morale.
0: At the same time, though, like those goo packs and stuff that runners and triathletes and everything use, that's all it is, is Mm -hmm. sugar, you know?
1: But I think in different activities, having those boosts are different. Uh, Like you... Who were we talking to? Somebody at Outdoor Retailer. Um, His energy drink was made for runners who you're exerting all of it so then mm-hmm. you input more sugar and is exerting all of it over and over again whereas for um other sports like this hiking i feel like it's better to have a, a longer flow of energy like than a sustained a, like, energy yeah. rather than like With, high octane mm-hmm. sugar like uh eating nuts lots of fats and um getting a good amount of protein Really not sure, but I think that that makes more sense than eating those energy gel packets. Now, if I was doing a several-day or several-week hike, it would be kind of different. But what's interesting is that for these hikes, you're pairing... Like, you want to be as healthy as possible, but you have to have foods that are extremely lightweight. So it's a very fine balance of between health and weight
0: mm-hmm.
1: and money. The cost of all these things because a lot of dehydrated and freeze dried foods are very expensive,
0: especially like the backpacker meals and stuff. They're like eight bucks per
1: night. Oh my gosh, they're like 12. Yeah, some of the good, better ones. Patagonia now has um, Patagonia Provisions, and their little things, a trail mix, are seven dollars teeny tiny little things. You can even buy a salmon or a trout or something for 12 to 15 dollars.
0: It's kind of crazy.
1: There are options for those types of things, um, healthy, dehydrated, lightweight things. But it seems like usually people go for uh, not healthy, lightweight foods like instant mac and cheese or um, ramen noodles is hugely popular, dehydrated potatoes, all these things that just sound really awful when doing athletic activity. I uh, But I
0: think a lot of it is just uh, practicality.
1: Oh, okay. Especially course. like on a
0: through hike, if you're hiking 40 miles a day, you got to have it be like the easiest thing. And if you got to ship all your provisions mm-hmm. to the different post offices in between, then I, I don't know if there's a way around it.
1: Right. And you but have to carry like, all that for those that, that kind of ruins
0: it for me, partially, though. You know?
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. The everything that goes into it like that. Because you just can't, there's no other option. And you need right. as many calories as you can get. And then all these books I'm reading, it just ends up, no matter how health conscious they were thinking they were going to be, by the end of it, you just want any food that you can get. Um, anything that, if you go into a town and there's food options, whatever you can get that's quick, easy, full of calories to give you energy. Um, your, the, your mission is to finish. Mm-hmm. So anything in between um, seems to be... Uh, just make it lightweight and make it easy.
0: I wonder if anybody has done like a hyper ecological and health conscious approach to it and through hike I'd be interested to see how they solved those problems without producing a bunch of like plastic waste and everything.
1: Yeah, that was really challenging. Even on 4 days, it was hard to find foods that uh didn't come prepackaged in a bag or that I um could make it home because that's another balance is time and money um, if you don't want to spend a lot of money for a backpacking trip and you have a lot of time to make your own stuff I was wanting to make granola um, I ended up making my own protein bars that were pretty awful I we like them,
0: them. yeah I thought they were great they're like a little bit bland but I would prefer that to super sweet
1: Um,
0: but on the trail you probably wanted more like higher sugar content
1: I wanted to make uh, really dank meals. We did have coconut curry, uh, but I'd never made it before This getting on the trail, so it was kind of trial and error as we were out there. I could make it better next time.
0: And you're going to have a YouTube video kind of detailing this better, all right? All of
1: this, yeah. And, like, and just why I wanted to be ecologically conscious. Um, it just seemed kind of important. And also, I didn't want to be carrying all these all this trash with me through the backcountry. And as we're living in the scamp in nature, it um, and even backpacking in nature, it just feels a lot better to not be carrying around a bunch of garbage or producing a bunch of garbage and being wasteful. It just feels kind of more respectful to think about all of that prior.
0: Yeah. So what foods didn't work out that you tried?
1: I made coconut curry and um i didn't have a bouillon cube bouillon how do you say that
0: i think it's two l's so it's like
1: Bo- s- bouillon. bouillon bouillon i don't know so that adds the salt to any dish and oh my gosh it was awful without that but it was actually awful well it just was yes pretty much it wasn't it was it was couscous with dehydrated vegetables no salt curry paste and some dehydrated coconut milk so it was just flavorless couscous really. Um, The dehydrated vegetables smelled a lot saltier than they were but it was okay just like pretty flavorless mush but nothing really didn't work we had prepped between the three of us we had talked quite a bit about food and um, the only thing I just had a little too much of it but when you're doing even when i'd play soccer and stuff it would always take me an hour or so after games to feel hungry so speaking I wasn't of that hungry
0: did you eat in the morning
1: i did uh i was actually hungry even during the night because we don't
0: often eat in the morning
1: right so i had made those protein bars thinking that well i don't usually eat in the morning so i'll have these for as we're hiking on the trail in the morning but we were just exerting so much energy and working so hard that Even in the night, I would wake up hungry. So every morning, I woke up hungry, ready to eat. And um, it's weird. It didn't seem like I ate a lot of food on the trail. But everything that I had, all the nuts and almond butters and Epic Bars, they're just really dense calorie sources. So I just ate those foods, and um, it kind of lasted me throughout the day. Whereas I'll eat a lot more junk here (laughs) like chips and things Mm -hmm. that you cannot have on a trail, apples and almond butter I was really craving uh, I should have, it was only a four day hike and I should have brought a fresh apple or three
0: yeah, is there anything that you wish that you would have had or like any gear or anything that you saw people have that you were like dang that would be cool
1: my water filter, the Sawyer Mini Squeeze, uh, the bag that comes with it is a piece of crap. I wish I would have had a different water bottle. Like a lot of people use smart water bottles and the Sawyer Mini, uh, because the threads are the same, so you can fill your water bottle with water and then squeeze that out of the filter and squeeze that into whatever other water source.
0: And the smart water bottles are one of the lightest water bottles you can get, and yeah. they're pretty durable. And
1: yeah, you used to use those only. Yeah. As a water bottle. you get one, like, once a month.
0: Yeah, and then just use it Mm -hmm. for a long time.
1: Um,
0: Any gear, like, nerdy stuff that people had that you were like, ooh, that's cool?
1: I mean, we have all the nerdiest of nerdy gear. Mm
0: -hmm. Even your pants. Those are cool.
1: Uh, Yeah, these Fjallraven hiking pants that I have were amazing. I mean, jet boils are cool. I had a little pocket rocket, and when it's windy, it's kind of hard to keep that flame going. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, there wasn't a lot of wind.
0: And you only used those in the morning and at night. You didn't cook during the day at all or yeah. anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what did you wear? Like, what clothes did you bring, and how did that work out? And what, how did you layer, and do you wish that you would have had, like, anything different, or was it perfect?
1: It was pretty perfect, truly. We thought a lot about this together before I went. Mm -hmm. I hiked every day in the same pair of pants, my Fjallraven um, hiking pants. They're the lighter weight kind. I don't know which one they are. They're so cool.
0: If you're not familiar with the company Fjallraven, they're a... Is it Swedish? Yes. It means uh, Arctic fox in Swedish. Um... If y'all Robin does.
1: They're as ecologically conscious as Patagonia.
0: But they're not braggy about it.
1: Yeah, they, yeah.
0: They just keep it to themselves. Well, I think they've just been that way since before that was a thing. And they're just like humble, like tallest poppy gets cut type of mentality. But they're sort of, I have a pair of outdoor research pants that have a similar similar, like stretchy material. So they have a stretchy, they're stretchy where they need to be. And then in the spots like on your knees and your butt and your uh, ankles and all those spots that get a lot of wear, they're this super durable canvas.
1: That you wax. Yeah. The more you wax, the more water-resistant and wind-resistant they'll be. And if you wash them and take away the wax, then it makes them more breathable. So you can kind of gear it toward uh, whatever season or whatever activity you're doing.
0: And for women's pants, it's hard to find...
1: Functional pockets! Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's pockets all over these pants. They are the freaking best.
0: And you got them... So in Portland, there's a Robin store that's their... Any anything that they don't sell at their West Coast locations, they send to this store. So they were like 40% off or something.
1: Yes, which... Uh, oh my gosh, they are still expensive, but I don't... Oh my gosh... I don't care. That made me think of that group that was pretty haughty Um, as we were hiking on the trail. They had kind of made a mention that um, Stacy was using her jet boil and name brand is what they said geared like in our direction. And I've got my Arc'teryx rain jacket and um, we all have osprey packs, whatever. But living in the scamp, even not living in the scamp, if you get high quality Even though it might be expensive, that eliminates the need to have so much excess of low-quality stuff.
0: Yeah, and then it lasts like 10 years. A lot of the gear that I have was... Well, I didn't pay full price for it because I almost never do. But I do have gear that... MSRP is expensive. But like my Puffy, I've had for, what, 7 years, something like that?
1: With patches all over it.
0: And my uh, outdoor research pants and... A lot of my gear is, and the same with yours, is old, and it lasts years and years and years. Whereas if we would have gone and gotten some off-brand, like, cheaper puffy, it may last a year, and then you buy three of them, and, like, you buy one every year, so then quickly it's the same price, as long as you really take care of your stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a luxur- luxury to be able to afford um, gear like this, but it's also because we save our money and don't buy the cheap yeah. stuff saving it for the high quality items like and we don't
0: buy clothes fast fashion style mm-hmm. we buy clothes that are just geeky tech clothes that yeah. last forever
1: so those guys can talk shit all they want that's fine, you don't know me, bro Yeah. but I had these hiking pants every day, I had a merino wool t-shirt that merino wool t-shirt, that's my backwoods one that I got as a birthday gift back when backwoods was still a thing um,
0: Minor. I've ran yeah, through are, all mine Yeah,
1: You have to be very, treat them with care mm-hmm. um, I had a merino wool sports bra that I was wearing But uh, like we said in the beginning My collarbones were kind of bruising from the, the positioning of my pack The straps were right on my collarbones So I took my bra off and just didn't hike with a bra um, I also had a merino wool sun shirt That's a really lightweight fabric that Uh, zips in the front on the chest. I wore that uh, when I was just slightly chilly or wanted to cover up from the sun, which wasn't often. Um, And that was my hiking clothes every single day. And then my sleeping clothes, I had a long sleeve merino, I had a pair of yoga pants, and I had a Patagonia Nano Puff hoodie that I wore without a hood. I also had a beanie and a marina wool net gaiter that I used to cover my eyes and my ears at night. And some gloves. People, uh, that same group, somebody was like, oh yeah, I was wondering why you were wearing gloves. My fingers and toes go numb really easily from odds, So I wore gloves all the time, and I'm so glad that I had them.
0: You didn't have trekking poles.
1: I didn't. I think I would have really liked them if I had them. But, Did um, Allie and Stacy? No. It just, by the end of it, um, I've never used them, so I didn't think that I needed to go out and spend money on them when I'm spending money on all this food. And
0: um, And you spent money on the stuff that you'll be able to use day to day in yeah, the And
1: spent a lot of money on plane tickets to get out there and gas money to get out there. So hiking poles were kind of like if I find them, I bet I'll like them and use them. And uh, if we are to hike more, I think... I really do think that I'd like them.
0: Did most people on the trail have them?
1: I think about everybody. If anybody was uh, doing longer hikes than day hikes, it seemed like everybody had them. Hmm. They just would, especially on the terrain, the ups and downs, um, it would just give you other points of stability on the ground um, as you're going down which would take load off of your joints, your knees, and your ankles, which are the the areas that people have most problems with when you hike. And also going uphill, being able to use the force in your arms to kind of push yourself uphill. I hiked in my Chacos. The whole 40 miles I hiked in my chaco sandals. And when it was cold and rainy, I put socks on and wore my sandals like a shooby. And it worked out really well. That's the only time you got
0: blisters though, huh?
1: Yep. Because the uh, toe strap, I had put down the toe strap of my Chacos to put my socks on. So my toes were kind of wet and rubbing on that toe strap underneath. Um, And that's the day that I got blisters. It was amazing. And my trail name became Chaco because of my Chacos.
0: How do you think you would do that again, or if you were doing a longer track, would you still use chacos or no?
1: I would, yeah, it's the only shoes that I wear. If I'm not barefoot and if I'm not wearing a closed toed shoe, they are the only shoes, even in the fall and the spring. I'll put socks on and wear them like that. They're just great. They're I like think, sandal boots.
0: I think I'm gonna do bedrocks next.
1: um, I thought a lot about those because bedrocks and chacos are the two sandals that it seems like most people hike with. And on the terrain, it's so rocky in certain areas, just big, huge rocks that you'd really want to make sure... um, I could see how them folding down, like if you get it caught on a rock or a branch, the bedrocks are so thin, the sole, that folding down and um, making you trip, I could see that being something. But I think they would also be really helpful in that you can feel the ground beneath your feet and... I think that's a really comfortable feeling Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that's really natural to your body to be, to be walking like that and walking long distance. I would think that that would actually be kind of nice if you were used to it. Do you remember when we got our toe shoes, five fingers, Vibram, five fingers, a lot of people started having knee problems and stuff, but it's because they didn't know how to wear them. They were still walking in the classic heel, toe, heel, toe Mm -hmm. step and That's not natural to the human body, right?
0: Yeah, because if you... So I walk barefoot most of the time. And I've noticed too, after walking around in my flip-flops for a minute, like all when we were in Portland and around the Pacific up there, where it was wet all the time, I had flip-flops on because if I was barefoot, then I would just track mud into the scamp and everything. So then going barefoot again here, I've been noticing that it's taken me a second to stop heel striking. So when you're walking barefoot, if you use the ball of your feet to cushion, then you have that joint, you have your toes, you have your ankles, you have your knees, and you have your hips that are all absorbing shock. Whereas if you're heel striking, all of your joints are completely engaged, so there's no shock absorption aside from the shock absorption in your shoes if your leg is locked out. So then, if you walk like that and you have no support in your shoes, it's going to hurt. Like, you're going to hurt your knees and your hips and stuff. But if you walk with, like, a more um, natural gait and activate the different joints in your body and actually, like, use them, then it won't hurt so bad. Or at all. And And, it's actually really good for you.
1: And with bedrocks, hiking that distance, almost 2,200 miles, in a very natural... uh, well, yeah, that would probably be great. With
0: a lot of weight on your back, too. Yeah. You would just have to, I like, if you, you would have to get used to doing that before, mm-hmm. before that hike, because if you were, like, used to just, like, walking in high heels all the time, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go do the AT barefoot shoes, you definitely have mm-hmm. a bad time.
1: I really liked the Chacos, too, because um, when it was wet and warm, and my toes weren't cold, the your chaco's dry really fast, whereas if you're hiking in hiking boots through streams and stuff you've got wet shoes mm-hmm. uh they're also a lot lighter weight i I really feel like I wouldn't enjoy having heavy hiking shoes on my feet because you've already got heavy hiking shoes on your back i mean not shoes you've got a heavy pack on your back, so I think personally i um wouldn't enjoy that, and at that point by like right before hiking. Going on this trip, if I had spent money on a pair of hiking shoes just to wear on this trip, that, that I would have gotten blisters because I was... They I weren't broken in. Shoes.
0: So, what about ankle support? Do you think that's a thing to be concerned with?
1: I was, I've had a lot of ankle injuries through soccer, um, in my life, and I was a little worried about that and had tape to tape up my ankles in case I did need support, but, um... During our, our warm-up, that five-minute break, that's when I'm sitting down and rolling my ankles five times you want to write your name in cursive with each ankle, with each foot. Um, and I, I didn't have any problems. When it was slick, I just spent a lot of time focusing on my steps, making sure that I was stepping in correct places so that I wouldn't um, slip off a big rock and roll my ankle. Um, I was really pretty careful because that would have been
0: Did awful. any of you guys fall? Or, like, have any injuries at all?
1: No. Um, Allie's a yoga instructor, and Stacy's a paramedic. Uh, They both go to the gym quite often, so we were all in good shape. And thankfully, if one of us did get hurt, Stacy had the gear to help us. So it was, um, everything was great. It was, like, most ideal hike it could have ever been. It was super uphill and shorter miles on the first day. The second day kind of started raining, short miles. The third day was um, hiking through clouds, but really easy. Kind of the most flat terrain for 12 miles, 12 plus miles. Then the last day was sunny and warm and fun, and we had a lot of energy because it was the last day. uh, 11 miles. And finished and got to see the epic views of the Smokies on Clingmans Dome.
0: Do you have any tips for beginner hikers like yourself Like, anything that you knew before that you had prepared or hadn't had prepared that worked great?
1: Make sure everything in your backpack has a spot. And always keep it in that same spot. Um, Fill up your camelback or your water. So,
0: maybe quickly dive into how your pack was organized and, like, how you did that sensibly.
1: On the very top of my pack, the head, there's, like, these head pockets. I keep my headlamp and my headphones in the very top pocket. Then below that I had other like face things, my toiletries, um, like my face gear, my glasses, retainers, toothbrush, um, sunglasses. The things that I'm not accessing all the time were still up on top on like the head of my pack. Then in the very bottom of my pack, in a uh, dry bag, I had my sleeping bag, sleeping pad, and pillow, and my clothes. So that if anything got wet, none of that stuff would get wet. Then in the main part of the pack, I had my food.
0: And in the bottom, you can actually get to that from the outside without, because there's a little separator. Mm -hmm, So we had all of your...
1: So I could access all of those things, sleeping gear and clothing, through its own pack without having to dig into the bottom of my backpack, which was super nice. Then in the major, or the front main section, I had my uh, cook stove that was nested in my cook pot. And I also brought a tin cup. Right, yeah, a stainless steel pint cup. I had my spoon and stuff, and then my food. And then on the side pockets, I think I had my tech gear and some more toiletries like soap and stuff um, on the side pockets, and that was it.
0: What did you keep in your hip pockets?
1: I kept snacks on one side and my GoPro on the other side. And I also kept my journal that I wrote in all the time on, in one of my cup holder pockets.
0: What and did you end up doing for camera gear?
1: I had a Peak Designs clip on the front strap of my backpack Uh, that just allowed me to hold my camera right on my strap and at all times I could grab it.
0: It's like a holster, like a little metal holster.
1: Yep, that was just right on my shoulder at all times. That was great. GoPro in my pocket for the day that it rained. Um, I had a dry bag for my camera for the day that it rained and um, I did bring a lot of extra batteries but I didn't go through them like I thought I would, which was surprising. But that's it for that. And unfortunately, the day that I got back from my hike, I pulled my um, some of my clothes out of my backpack that had the camera wrapped in it. And it flung out and dropped on the sidewalk and is broken. So that camera is gone. Dead the M50. and gone. Sad days. I don't know what the heck happened to it either. There's no signs of injury. It just...
0: I think, it seems like the, like a digital cord of some sort was knocked loose.
1: Yeah, I hate that.
0: You have, so you had all your tech gear, you had the BioLite stuff. Was there anything, anything that you were like, this is the best, I'm so glad I have this? Or was it just like, generally speaking, you had everything? Or anything that you thought that you would really need that you didn't end up needing?
1: my pants were amazing. These pants were the best. They dried so fast and I am so glad that I had them. I was so confident with my clothing, with the pack, even though it didn't fit super well. Um, Because we live this way, I was very confident with all my gear and knowing that even though I don't have a ton of it, I have exactly what I need. Um, I felt really good. My, My gear, my body, I had worked out almost every day for two months before this, just getting ready, wanting to be, um, in the best shape that I could be for this. What did you
0: do to prepare to work out?
1: Lots and lots of hiking, lots and lots of walking. I did a lot of YouTube, um, like squat and leg buster, butt buster videos. I would wake up in the mornings and do that before you would wake up. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of ab and core stuff and even some arm stuff. Um... But mostly just hiking, going on long walks with camp, going on hikes out here in the Pacific Northwest. I think that got me ready to for the terrain.
0: You were going to talk earlier about how you did water and, like, suggestions for that. So how did you do that? And...
1: So that other tip is to fill up your water at night so that you're all ready to go in the morning. Um, I had my Sawyer squeeze, but the bag popped So, um, they had a gravity water filter, so we kind of used both of them. For cooking, we used the Sawyer because you can still kind of manage holding the holes and, like, getting it into the pot for cooking without the dirty water getting in and stuff. It was fine. But, um, I carried two liters every day, and then when we would have a place to refill, I'd just make sure I had two liters. If it's three liters is really heavy to carry, and, um... I just kind of managed, if it felt, I could feel in my back how low my camelback was getting. And if it felt like it was getting really low, I would just take care to not suck up all my water. Just, like, knowing how close we were to a water source and stuff. Um, was really easy to do. I didn't really have to think much about that. But, um, I would definitely continue using a camelback. I don't think I would... Like a water bladder. Yeah. With a little straw. I don't think I would ever pull out a water bottle to drink from. And it helped me drink more water having the camelback.
0: Did most people on the trail have water bladders or uh, water bottles?
1: A lot of people we saw had water bottles. And that's what you see in all the YouTube videos is most thru-hikers seem to just have water bottles. And maybe they get used to uh, stopping and drinking or pulling their water bottles out of the sides of their packs. Um, I just feel like I drink a lot more having that straw and on all of our hikes we've been on, I just love having the Camelback. But I don't know.
0: I'm kind of the other way.
1: You like water bottle?
0: I generally prefer water bottle. I used to love, just because Camelbacks were so cool when they first came out. I thought it was, when I was a kid, I thought it was so cool. But um, ever since I did that mountaineering trip and was just like the most exhausted I've ever been and trying to drink out of a Camelback then when I'm just like huffing and puffing was Mm. so frustrating. And I just wanted to pour water into my mouth, Hmm. you know?
1: I can see that, but But at the same time, it's like totally opposite for me. As I'm huffing and puffing, it's just so nice to just suck on a little water.
0: The other thing is when you have a Camelback, it is harder to like keep track of how much you have. Mm -hmm. So I could ration easier with a water bottle and not just suck straight through it with a Camelback. And then like getting the Camelback in and out of your backpack is kind of a pain. Um, but I don't know.
1: I don't know. I'm still a hardcore Camelback. Cool. I would stick with that, but it seems like if you're doing a thru hike, that's not the way to go. So maybe I'll change. I'll well, laugh at myself. I don't know that we'll future. ever
0: thru hike. So.
1: Oh, uh, I guess I mean like long section hike. Yeah. Um, but I had a whole list. I I kept a really great little journal the whole time that I'm really proud of. I would like to turn, I didn't take my regular journal, I journal daily and have a bullet journal and stuff, but I didn't take those because they'd be heavy. So I just have a small field notes, 48 page, teeny little book that I journaled in every morning and night of just our favorite, um, things and tips and little memories throughout the day. So the first two tips were everything in my pack has its own place, fill the camelbacks at night. as you're going downhill, I noticed that it was a lot more helpful to put the weight on my toes than on my heels. Kind of like what we talked about. Mm-hmm. But, oh my gosh, how can you even go downhill, heel first? I, I mean, your heel is reaches the floor first as you're walking. But it was so much nicer on my knees and my ankles to do toe first, the ball of my foot. Um, take pictures of yourself more often than you want, more often than is comfortable. It was really easy for me to take pictures of landscape and of Allie and Stacy, but um, I mean, when you look back on all these photos, you really like you want to see yourself in these photos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I struggle with that a lot, but um, yeah, you want to see pictures of you and your friends. The trees and stuff are interesting, but that's more powerful to see with your eyes when you're there in the moment. It's never as powerful to see the photo of those trees. So take a picture of yourself in front of the trees. Um, you probably have way too much food. That just is what it is, but it's kind of nice having lots of food. It's just heavy. Keep going. It hurts to stop. That was what I was saying with the uphill thing. I just felt so much better on my body to continue going uphill and then take a break and um, wait for my friends to get up behind me. Um, (laughs) trail mix must have M&Ms and then carry a needle a needle may be more important than a knife and that's just because you are getting blisters pretty inevitably I don't think Allie got any blisters she's Hmm. a badass she hiked in those the last time they went on the Smoky Mountains
0: they're Merrill shoes right? I think so yeah and they were good and broken in. And they were, like, relative, like, mids, mid-tops, mid-height?
1: I want to say that they were just shoes. Like, regular okay. tennis, like, no heels. I'm not sure, though. Hmm. They were cool. She The laces went all the way from, like, all the way across the front of the foot. Yeah. So she could tighten it uh, right at her toes or just on the top of her foot or loosen it on the toes and... Everything. Whereas normally your shoes have the laces going like up the center of the foot. Right. Hers were all the way across. It was cool.
0: Meryl makes really, really intelligent designs. Like in comfortable shoes. But the aesthetic of them I just don't love.
1: Yeah, they're not that cute at all. But
0: they're almost, for girls, I feel like they're cute in their goofiness. But Mm. I just feel like a goof when I wear them.
1: Yeah, they're not that cute. (laughs) But they're so nice. Yeah, the other functional af. I'm gonna turn this little journal into an awesome blog post. I'm really excited about it. So if you would like to see um all the details in writing from my little travel journal, that'll be on my blog and I will be making a YouTube video about all of the things that we talked about but in a more condensed and visual manner.
0: And each of the different um, gear items and food items and stuff that you mentioned all have show notes to accompany this. So you can check that out on the site along with the podcast.
1: Cool. Thanks for asking me all those questions. It's fun to like dive in. I feel like I could talk about all of this forever. Mm -hmm. It was just a really empowering experience to know that I have everything I need to survive right on my back. Super cool. It felt so natural too, when you're really in the flow of it. It just felt like what I was designed to do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it brought me kind of back to to planet Earth from like my digital ether brain, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's always I feel like it's uh, fulfilling to have that. Okay, my daily purpose is just to walk.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was so cool.
0: Because we get so lost in having to do all these things, and just being able to be and just do a simple, but fulfilling thing is. Um,
1: with my friends. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I had a great time. I can't wait to go with you.
0: Yeah, that's what you kept saying. <laughs> 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 but I. Well, was... just
1: because you know you are like you are. You've taught me everything about the outdoors. Yeah. Any. Uh, we've learned a lot of stuff together, but most of it is from you so having you come out with me and, also and all just the a gear and stuff is like <laughs> yours yeah. <laughs> yeah so you carrying all that for me mm-hmm. yeah would be great and you being a big burly man in the tent to fight off the bear yeah right would be nice
0: i'm not trying to fight a bear ever that's scary
1: it is scary but thankfully bears don't really want to have anything to do with yeah. this
0: We've been talking to, Lindsay we'll have on the podcast here in the next couple days probably. Um, And she lives in Alaska and like interfaces with grizzlies. And she said in Alaska the black bears are different. Like they're more... Aggressive. Yeah, or more like, um, I don't know, they'll kind of, they don't really care. And down here they're more like raccoons Mm -hmm. than they are bears. But thankfully you guys didn't run into any and hopefully we won't. I would love to see a grizzly from afar, but not up close. Yeah,
1: we'll see. Maybe if we go to Alaska next summer. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Check out the show notes. Check out the YouTube video. Check out our blogs.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk to you soon. Next up, probably Lindsay? Yeah. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more information and links to the things we talked about, check out our show notes at normal2nomad.com slash podcast. If you want to see more of what we're up to, we've documented our travels on YouTube for the past three years and are up to a quarter of a million subscribers. Check it out at youtube.com slash Elsa Ray. Please give us a five-star review if you like the show so other people can find it. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.